Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. A word about Pelé. I don't think it's possible to compare footballers of different eras, as everybody tries to do, you know, the bloody better than Maradona or Cruyff or whatever. i tell you what I was thinking in the light of my memories of him when I was a teenager, is I think he was the most charismatic footballer. Whenever you saw Pelé play, he appeared to radiate joy in a way that not many footballers do. Precisely. You know? And, and uh, that's what and, I thought. And also, a kind of didn't appear to be remotely self obsessed. I mean, it, it was an, an era when it was less about you and your personal gain and the profit you can make out of it. Or, but the comparison between him and, say, Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone has said, you know, this is a man who radiated a kind of selflessness, you know, on the pitch, a joy and enthusiasm about the game and was just uh, never, there was not a single person who met him who wasn't just bowled over and didn't adore him. And I tell you what, the other thing is that people like Cruyff and Maradona were products of the televising of football, you know, of all football. Yeah. Whereas Pele predated that, really, you know, so that you know, he, 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 I remember when when nineteen sixty six World Cup took place. You know, he was obviously here. You know, and uh, but you were watching that in black and white. You know, you weren't seeing the full yeah. glory of that stuff. Do you remember those um, those big spectacular films that they used to put out after every major sporting event, after every every Olympics every four years, or every World Cup? Every well, the ones years. you could see in the cinema. In the cinema, you yeah, know? I remember them. And you in these things in glowing colour, with the, yeah. where suddenly the match looked absolutely magical, you know. So, yeah, you so he was a kind of product of cinema, I think. You know, yes. cinema was how I saw him mainly, really, uh, as opposed to the the players who came later. And you but knew he, very little about him as an individual. You just saw him as a player, and uh, you know, it was, it was his skill on the pitch is what it was all about. Absolutely amazing. I've also been reading Two Brothers, which is a new Jonathan Wilson book about Bobby and Jackie Charlton, um, about the days when footballers were, you know, went to play football instead of going down the mines. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a very different world. And being reminded of the night when England won the World Cup in 1966 and Jack Charlton had a hundred pounds in his pocket, which had been given to him by by the manufacturers of his boots for wearing the boots in the final. And it was more money than he ever, ever had in his pocket in his life, and his wife wasn't there, and he was just determined to spend it. Fantastic. So he spent the night, you know, tearing a strip through the West End with a football journalist and ended up... But with £100, that still would have taken quite a long time, actually. It take yeah. a long time. Also, people were buying him drinks and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he ended up spending the night at the home of this football journalist in where? Not Mayfair, not Hampstead, not Pimlico, not Chelsea, 
Leightonstone. No, no. Leightonstone. Now, no oh disrespect to Leightonstone, but I don't think a World Cup winner nowadays would be dossing down in Leightonstone. They would not. Anyway, um, you know, that's a reminder of, of a bygone era of football. What are we talking about? It's the word podcast. Here we are. It's first one since since Christmas. Do you have a nice Christmas, Mark? I oh, yeah, had a pretty good Christmas. Yeah, it was nice actually. We had some non-attendance, sadly, of uh, one of the kids who couldn't make it in the end uh, from abroad uh, for reasons involving his uh, his girlfriend's dad being a bit poorly. But otherwise, no, really good. We had a lovely time. It was yeah. excellent, you know, and lots of lots of people over and fair number of mince pies consumed, a lot of Stilton. It was it was just ace actually. And I suppose yeah. you know you're looking forward to, you know, you and the lady wife going clubbing on New Year's Eve as you generally do. <laughs> and coming over the mill. I'm a great enthusiast on, on the quiet New Year's Eve, actually. <laughs> I no lo- pressure New Year's I Eve. love a quiet New Year's I know, Eve. I, know. I love a quiet New Year's Eve. Uh, and my wife and I were planning a quiet New Year's Eve until our friend rang us the other day and said, why don't you come round? And we thought, all right, all right, we'll do it. It's walking They're probably listening to this day. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Well. Uh, but I can't pretend that I didn't have my sight set on a rather quieter occasion, you know, but it won't be too riotous. Don't, don't worry. That's uh, nice. So at this time of year... We're talking about records coming out at this time of year, uh, either now or in the past. Were we not? And oh, yeah, I, we were. And I was trying to remember. The, uh, Clive Banks, who was the, in, in, in the 70s and the 80s, the kind of a, the doyen of record pluggers in the United Kingdom. And Clive used to kind of plug and promote, you know, records, the Elvis Costello records, Nick Lowe records, and yeah. Pretenders records and so forth. And Clive always used to be a big believer in in records coming out just after Christmas because, really good reason this, because if you're Radio 1 or Capital Radio or whatever, you're sick to death of the Christmas playlist, you know, the stuff that you've had in the run-up to Christmas. You want something new. You want something new. And And also less records are selling, aren't they? So you've got more of a chance of having a hit. Absolutely. It takes fewer copies to get a hit. And it's easier to get it on the playlist. And and the radio stations are crazy for novelty, you know. So yeah. they say, here it is, the new single by The Pretenders or whatever. And so Pretenders, you, you did it, very well in January 1980. Do you remember? Because they just got an album out. They were having hit after hit, weren't they? Because there was, there was nothing else around, really. Well, Clive used to do their plugging, you know, which yeah, is already no coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny, if you look back at, uh, at the history of, uh, of uh, release dates, you know, nowadays, if they want to, well, it's different, you know, obviously it's different because it's streaming and it's all this kind of thing. But for years, even in the days of physical product, if you wanted something to be a hit for Christmas, you put it out no later than October, really, you know, because that's the time you needed to kind of get it in the shops, get it manufactured, get ahead of steam. And I think I'm right in saying that David Bowie's Hunky Dory came out in 1971, just like three days before Christmas. <laughs> That's right. And I don't know whether that was just late for Christmas or they're trying to get it early no, for that's New a Year. genius thing. I think Queen did the same thing on the day at the races, that the week between Christmas and, uh, and New Year. And Van, and Van Halen did it, I think, with 1984, I think, which came out on January the 6th. I mean, it's just a really clever Black Sabbath as well, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. It's just a really clever ruse, isn't it? Didn't because work with Hunky Dory. Didn't didn't work. Didn't chart in any shape or form. No, it didn't actually, did it? Absolutely. Have another crack at it. Yeah, yeah, and, it's true. Well, it didn't happen until years later with Hunky Dory because following year you had uh, Ziggy Stardust and uh, you know Starman and all that sort of stuff and all that. The greetings uh, Hunky- from Asbury Park. Yeah, that came that out. Did, when? Didn't it? So that came out January the third, I think. January third, nineteen seventy-three. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably I was also if you're if you're a record company, it was a way to get it noticed, or it wasn't wasn't being overshadowed by a new new album by Paul Simon or Santana yeah, yeah. or whoever else it might have been. Um, but you know, the record business at Christmas was a very a very particular thing. Although it's interesting, going I went into the West End of London a few times in the couple of weeks before Christmas, and I don't know if you did, but it was busy. Yeah, it was. Me. It was rammed. Absolutely it really rammed. was yeah, rammed. It was. 
as if people were uh, were just craving kind of human contact, you know. Yeah, presumably a lot of that stuff they could just buy it online. <laughs> yeah, but also for the last two years, that's all gone, isn't it? There people really getting quite excited about seeing the lights, you know, all that kind of stuff. Amazing. Well, I get excited about seeing the lights. You know, I I, I posted my traditional, you know, uh, Twitter or Instagram picture of when the lights first went up in, you know, yeah. Lower Regent Street or wherever. And I always think it looks rather nice. You know, if you're in the West End, in a in a sort of later winter evening, it's getting towards four o'clock, so it hasn't got dark yet, but it's sort of dark enough for them to put the lights on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that look. It's quite magical. London looks it? looks magical to me. It does. And I posted does. this picture, and people, honestly, if you post anything on social media, the way, even if the, the most innocent thing in the world is a picture of Christmas light going, oh, Christmas lights are up at Oxford Street or and whatever. Oh, you know? most people Hello. do. That's lovely. And then, but also, somebody goes, oh, they still got those lights, have they? They've had those for three years. I thought. Oh my God's sake! Let's just you know, such let's... is the nature of social media. <laughs> the killjoys are waiting. Yeah, absolutely. Aren't they? I know. Do you do you remember the year that Oxford Street, or was it Regent Street? Yeah, probably Oxford Street, and probably probably around about the time you and I were both working on Oxford Street. Do you remember when they had sponsored Christmas lights? Do you remember this? Yes. Sponsored by. Do you remember? Well, there was something like, was it Coca-Cola? It was somebody no. like that, wasn't it? Well, I think Coca-Cola did it as well. Possibly yeah, did, did it later. But I'll tell you who did it. Tango. Tango, Tango. that's right. Tango. Do you remember? Yeah, Tango yeah, 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 branding yeah. all the way, all the way down Oxford Street. And wasn't there a lot of complaints? People saying this is not very It festive. was not festive. And it wasn't at all. Because, you know, I know people have to make a living in all kinds of ways, but, you know, when you think of Christmas, you don't think of Tango. No, no, no. Wing Carnis, possibly, you know. Dubonnet. Yeah. Dubonnet. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey's. <laughs> Bailey's. Lots of my Bailey's. We find a cream yeah, no, sherry or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, absolutely. That Cypress would be fine. <laughs> then we'd allow that. Oh, God. But the not sma- but, but that was around the time, wasn't it, of, uh, that we were on Smash Hits? And you you were looking at it too, weren't you, the, uh, the old issue of Smash Hits? Right, Did you yeah, have a look? Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, um, from 1983, the January the 6th issue. And I had a look at it. I thought it was, I say, I thought it was rather fantastic. Everybody always thinks that Smash Hits, that we always put um, John Taylor on the cover with no shirt, standing by a swimming pool in Los Angeles. But no... Here is a man in his late 30s wearing an absurd hat um, who would be largely unknown to the readers and giving what is effectively a kind of lecture on the state of pop music. And And who is is that person, Mark Allen? It's it's Malcolm McLaren. And Neil Tennant interviews him. Neil, obviously being a member of staff at the time, pre-Pet Shop Boys. And he's so sweet. He says, from what I'd heard about him, I was expecting to meet a bit of a loony. But uh, I found him instead to be a man in with the manner of an inspired teacher, talking a great deal of sense. See what you think. And he kind of asks him, or basically, what's wrong? To make a state of the nation uh, address about what's wrong with pop music. So interestingly, he talks about the whole principle of making new music from existing records, i.e., scratching. Explains what scratching is. We were ahead of the game, I think, weren't we? And and how English people think with their heads. He says in, in America they think with their hips. He's talking principally about um, you know, dance music and soul and linking back to black American, you know, African heritage. And he'd been to Africa and Dominican Republic and stuff, looking for for rhythms to use on duck rock. And it, it, the whole thing is about injecting kind of uh, Af- African African rhythms into pop music. You know, there's a lovely bit where he says, groups like ABC and Haircut 100 have got so far from the source of this magic that they're just, <laughs> they're just something to be purchased like wallpaper or a piece of clothing. It's really interesting. And and we make the point. You, I think you're the, the editor this time, uh, David. I think you wrote this headline. You said, uh, so So, is there no such thing as a finished record? Oh, a really nice idea. There's, there's I thought that a prescient thought. Yeah, no yeah. such thing as a finished you know, record. No, did I? Was I really that wise? No, I think you know, that was you. That's 40 uh, years ago. Hey, that, you know, that's three. Because often, I often write that nowadays. There is no you? such thing as a very. Oh, yeah, I read. In my book about Abbey Road, um, I'd said that, you know, nowadays, you know, records used to be made once for all. They're not yeah. anymore. They're made, you, you, you know, they're, it's, um, 
Well, well, what do they say? There's no, there's no such thing as a as a as a mix that's finalised. It's just a mix abandoned. You know, the, it's been the, abandoned, and it's about to be updated. Or it's had to be updated. No, it's, it's really good. There's a little piece about how I feel love was remixed in, from the '77 version to the '82 version. There's dub dub versions of reggae hits, obviously, and there's Martin Rushington remixed Dare to make love and dancing. Do you remember that? Yes, that another series of sales. Yeah. So the whole yeah. thing is about about the whole the whole world of of just using music that already exists and adapting it. I thought it was really, it's really prophetic, actually. You know, what's about it's certainly prophetic. Yeah, yeah. is entirely the foundation of what's going on now, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely fantastic. That's true. I'm it's looking... a good issue. little quiz in there, too. Do you, want, do you want some of the quiz questions? Go on. I will see. I'll see if I can do it. I probably All said right, it. No, so, did I? Did I, I said it? So, no. yeah. Which albums in 1982, which album covers featured a sinking ship? Remember that? Women and Captains First by Captain Sensible. Right, a singer okay. on a rock dressed as a pixie. No, I'll give in. Toya. A group lying on a bed of leaves. Oh, that's Haycut 100. That is Haycut 100, that's right. An outdoor living room, which is madness, the rise and fall. The rise and, and fall. And plastic dummies sitting around a table. But any number of albums. Yeah, any number of that was Upstairs at Eric's by Yazoo. By Yazoo. So, yeah, yeah. It's very really good. 40 and there's another classic. Years ago. It's 40 years ago. There's another classic kind of uh, thing that you would do when it was a holiday issue and you didn't want to come back to work between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> it's well, school that's reports. It, yeah, oh, it's yes. so good. So you get Captain Sensible School Report from Stanley Technical School in Norwood. Raymond works best under supervision. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> Technical Tom school. Taylor from Our Lady of the Wayside School in Solihull, who gets V good for punctuality. He's very disappointed. She's terribly well behaved. <sighs> Karen of Bananarama excels at needlework, and Mary Wilson at the Wickham Primary spends spends more time in class leading others astray than learning. Well, good, I, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, it's it's amazing that. Go back to the Captain Sensible thing. So, what do you say? The technical school. And and so that must be, that's in the nineteen fifties, isn't it? It must be. What a techni- technical school? Well, when he went, to, uh, Captain Sensible must have gone to school in the fifties. Well, he was born in nineteen fifty four. So okay, yeah, well, possible. yeah, just about. I think he was. I think I kind of remember that. Because yes, it's a very old world of education, isn't it? It's like yeah, you know, yeah. It's born from banana rama. It's needlework. <laughs> I know needlework exactly. The days of needlework and metalwork. Yeah, and, uh, domestic science. And yeah, lots of it's just basic manual skills, which well, we're, yeah, it is, it is. Um, it's it, not just it, PPE it's, and it's you know. not it's not media studies. Is no, it? not media studies. <laughs> it's, not, it's not music and movements, is it? It's no, none, no. none of that kind of stuff. But, I say, well, but, I was looking at this issue, Mark, and I think we've slipped up here, or I haven't discussed this with you. It says the the singles page. I can't say who reviewed the singles. Can yeah, you? I, I noticed that, but I can tell from reading them that it was me. <laughs> I know immediately that it was me. There's no name on the singles review, and I, I can't remember being remotely upset that it was left off that, but I know. <laughs> Just a mistake. Hell, my terrible turns of phrase. <laughs> Superbly crafted reworking of the Boomtown Rats House on Fire rhythm, topped off with hippie flutes. Hippie flutes. Yeah, and, and sung by an Australian, Australian so indebted to Sting, Sting even Nick's fake, fake Jamaican fake accent. accent. Now, that's just, just me. It's <laughs> 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 just so, so others, inescapably me. I was a bit embarrassed by that. Now, which is opposite, also, this is opposite, it's opposite the, the fan club thing. This is very funny. The fan how do those singles, how do those singles, I don't think there's anything... And I'm just going down them. Yeah. Tracy Thorne, Goodbye Joe, Stranglers European Female, The Box, No Time for Talk, uh, Level 42, The Chinese Way, John Cougar, Hard to Hold On To, Nasty Facts, Marvin Gaye, My Love Is Waiting, Bumble and the Bees, Peter Gabriel, I Have the Touch, The uh, Blockers, Twist and Shen, Men at Work, the, Men at Work Down Under, the only one off the page that turned out to be a huge Huge, enormous hit. Down is that because I didn't choose the right ones, or because it's that time of year? Maybe it's just that. Yeah, time I think it was just. Uh, yeah, I, I love the way it's so kind of, uh, so kind of high-handed. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Scorpio. I said woefully limp follow-up to the message. Well, it, it probably was. It probably you was. Can't, you can't follow the message. I yeah. love the Killjoys. I love the, the fan club direct. We published the Smash Hits fan club directory. 
and and I love the actual postal addresses. So do I. So if you want, at at Two Sheep Street, Highworth, Swindon, Wiltshire, you could find the fan club, ladies and gentlemen, of ABBA. ABBA. Just All right, you got it. Here's one for you, right? 46 Pembridge Road, London W11. Very well, posh. That, yeah, that Remember, sounds, that's, uh, that sounds a bit Roxy music, though. No, it's does. Queen. It's CO Vicky. It's Queen. And 429B in Berry New Road, Salford 7, Lancashire. Go on. The Fall. The Fall. The perfect kind of class divide there. This is a good yeah. game. This it's is a good game. Yeah, that is, isn't it? St Anne's Court, 17 St Anne's Court, Warder Street, London W1. That is St Anne's Court, which is still there, which is where Trident Studios used to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, where David Bowie made all his legendary London records, you know, Queen made Elton, Elton John, all these yeah, yeah. people. That was Soft Cells. Soft Cells. Soft Cells uh, fan club. Uh, how about this, Mark? Bull Hill Cottage. I'm just Elstead, looking at that. Near Bury St. Edmund's Suffolk. It's shaking Stevens. Shaky. That's how you got left it. Shaky. Here's one more for you. The Intergalactic Ranch House, 44 Seymour Place, W1. Was the place that you correspond with Toya. It's Toya. Isn't that amazing? It's hilarious. It's in the way that's so revealing. It just is. And in those days, if you wanted to be a member of the Pink Floyd fan club, you had to write was to in William Elsing, Lep and Larm, uh, somewhere in Holland. Yeah, that's right. Some place in Holland I've never heard of. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely extraordinary. So that smash hits. Great from, issue. Um, from uh, 40 years ago, this very week. It's too late to enter the competition. The Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. You sent me uh, a little clip of, I guess, probably recorded maybe about 18 years ago, um, of Jim Morrison's sister and Jim Morrison's dad talking about Jim Morrison. And I'm sorry, I thought it was very, very affecting, actually. It was very it moving. It was very touching, really. Because, was. you know, Jim Morrison, they absolutely loved him. He was a very bright, uh, very very accelerated, very focused, quite academic type. He left school and he wanted then to be given as a present the complete works of Nietzsche. He read absolutely everything. He would discover a new word, age six or seven, and would then write an entire story based around that new word. So he loved going to his grandmother's house because she had a library. He was obviously very literary, and his father thought he was going to have some kind of academic or or just reasonably conventional career. And then his dad talks about him ringing him up and saying, I've joined a rock group. And he said, I, he said, he used the word flabbergasted. He said, he you're said, making a mistake. He said, you're he? making a mistake. He said, that is not a job. So <laughs> get a proper job. He said, you're on the wrong track. Mm. And then he later had to concede that his son was an entertainer. He said he wasn't a singer, no. but he could concede that he was an entertainer. He was very touched eventually that, you know, he was buried in pale chaise and, you know, so many people loved him. But I felt the the suffering that family went through because what oh, happened God. was that his father was the commander, wasn't he, of an aircraft carrier in the U.S. Navy, involved in various campaigns in the mid-60s, which against, you know, Vietnamese motor torpedo boats, et cetera, which accelerated America's involvement in the Vietnam War. And so Jim Morrison decided that he was going to cut his all ties with his family. To the extent when he was asked in, in an interview once, you know, uh, about his family, he said they'd all died, didn't he? You remember he said his mm. siblings, that's right, and his family. Can you imagine reading that about, you know, the, delivered by your own son? And it struck me that that it would have been extraordinarily hard. I think he's one of those cases of, of someone who, in the age of social media, could not really have got a foothold. Here was the great countercultural hero, whose father was eventually finished up being the admiral, wasn't he? Of a, of a, he was a rear admiral. He was a rear, rear admiral. admiral. He was very of, senior US Hugely Navy. senior. Uh, responsible for, you know, at the absolute heart of the naval contribution to the Vietnam War. And it, what would he have had to do? He would, in the days of social media, he would, that would have been, there was been no secret. He would have to have, I don't know, denounced his father. He would have to have campaigned against him or I don't know. But it would have been incredibly damning, don't you think? 
Well, yeah, I think it's, it's it's impossible to imagine really how any of these things would have happened in the age of social media because it's just so different. I'd say the yeah. thing that struck me was I, I just watching it because they're really – and just you can find this on YouTube. It's just Jim Morrison's father and sister talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as you say, it was done, done more than 10 years ago or whatever because his father's dead now. Um, and um, – they're just talking about, you know, their son or their brother who they loved and miss. And then they're, they're talking about the person they knew. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, Who's and completely you, unlike the person that you know. They completely unlike the person. And, and that's the, it made me reflect on loads of things, you know, that um, it made me think, boy, you could do quite a good documentary film, just pull together. All the interviews that that the, the legends, uh, parents of legendary rock stars have done over the years, and just put them together. Because now, when you you know, if you'd watched those kind of interviews when you were nineteen or twenty, you would have been entirely on Jim's side. Yeah, and now, now you've watched the You're entirely on the parents. Think, <laughs> like, how could they have dealt with it? Oh, possibly. His you mother know, went to one of his shows think. once with his brother, I think, and and, uh, and Jim wouldn't see them. You know, can you imagine? The heartbreak that oh, they had to go through. Unbelievable. And it's also the great truth that you know yourself as a parent, that you know your children. You know them from when they're like, yeah. Two years old. <laughs> so you know when they're putting on some kind of yes, uh, some you know. kind of front. You know, it's a deceit, you know. Yeah. And, and to see them put on a front, which then fools loads of people who don't know them. Yeah. Must be kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so Morrison's father was saying, I had to accept that people loved him and respected him. And I yeah. had to I had to accept their respect, even though he couldn't understand it no, himself. Understand at all. It. And again, that's another interesting thing because that generation now, obviously, you could you could at least understand the context of what your your son or daughter was doing because you've grown up in a world where there was rock and roll music. But then you couldn't. He just simply had no idea no what world his, his son was in. No. The way he looked, what he sang about, the way he acted. And he also was in the military. So he, as he says himself, he wasn't there for most of the time. You know, yeah, so he yeah, missed yeah. half of his uh, half of his growing up. But yeah. his sister is no less. Yeah, that's no less affecting. Uh, God, to I hear felt for it, her because she's two or three years younger than yeah, him, and so yeah. she would have been, you know, in her late teens, early twenties when he was at the absolute top of his game. Can you imagine that? Because everyone would have known that you were. Jim yeah. Morrison's sister. And in fact, she looked extraordinarily like him, actually, yeah. didn't she? Really yeah. fabulously handsome-looking uh, character. And, um, you know, to, to to know that you were his sister and yet had no contact with him would be heartbreaking. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So it's, worth, it's worth seeing. Uh, we'll try and post the link we'll post it. to yeah, it we will. Uh, underneath this. Talking of the 60s, the bus theory, Mark. Oh, the bus theory. Very good. Uh, uh, one of our listeners called Arthur Scooten sent in a, a kind of like a little essay that he wrote, didn't he? Uh, making various points. And one is pointing up the the enormous importance of the central role, role played <laughs> by the bus in the 1960s. In pop history. And, and in the 1960s is what you're talking the 1960s, about. In the 1960s, that's right. And he makes a really good fight. He talks about obviously the development of the bus through uh, from 1955 and kind of the whole idea of early bus travel for the youth, you know. But one of the key things he talks about is Cliff Richard. And it's quite interesting because he says Cliff Richard's summer holiday came out in 1963. So the general theme is these are, um, these are you know, adventurous youth kind yeah. of traveling together and having adventures, aren't they, in, in, in a kind of community. And he said that he thought that that must have been seen by Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters. And taken uh, up by that. Same thing uh, a year later, which I thought was actually entirely likely, although it's, it's, extraordinary. It, it, how could they not have seen it? It made me think back to to summer to summer holiday, which is obviously yeah. the Cliff Richard thing, and um, and it reminded me that that film starts in black and white, yeah, and then it turns into color. Yeah, in the kind of bus garage, and I think they shot this. I think I'm right in saying I think they shot it not far from where I live in Elstree, uh, which was a bus garage. Yeah, and of course Cliff 
you know, and the shadows, and all, they all came from, you know, the home counties. They all came from, you know, Hertfordshire. Yeah. Uh, and, well, shadows didn't. They came from Newcastle, but they'd been living in London at the time. And um, and I can remember watching this thing up in the north of England at the time and thinking, wow, that looks glamorous. Because yeah. the thing was, when you came to the south of England, now, I don't know if people used to think this. I always used to think it. You come down to the south of England, the weather is slightly better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's slightly warmer. It it's is. slightly, slightly less, less likely to less rain. Risk, you know. And so the south of England, even the Elstree bus garage, looked to me in in uh, in impinged Yorkshire in 1963 like the west coast of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so it seemed entirely plausible that Cliff and all these dancing mates would spring about aboard this, whatever it was, a route master. Yeah, yeah, it whatever. was, I think. It was all and, then, right. and then set off across uh, across Europe. But also he makes the point that, isn't it one of the, um, where they, they, they encounter kind of mime troops, don't they? And all sorts yep. of their things that, that later turn up in, in Ken Casey's you know, merry pranksters and all that, all that kind That's of stuff. That's right. And, and then he's later resurfaces in Magical Mystery well, Tour. Well, Magical Mystery Tour. I mean, there's I mean, there's various other things. The bus, the magic bus, the Who as well. The Who is magic, the, the, the magic bus? Buses in the 60s. I'm sorry, Arthur. I think, I you've, hit, I think you've hit a seam here. Well, there is a seam. I was thinking I think about America by Paul this. Simon. Buses in the Kathy, I said, Kathy, to be born in the Greyhound of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, and empty and aching, and I don't know why, counting the cars on the New Jersey Turnpike. Now, have you ever done this, Mark? You must have, in your life, gone on the New Jersey Turnpike. Oh, yeah. And what do you think of? You and think of have, you, have you, in that journey, sat at the back of a car and gone, one, yeah. two, <laughs> three? You have. You it's have. Compulsory. I have. You've got to I do know. it. You've simply it's like got Lexington One Two Five. It's just these certain places that you yeah, just have absolutely. to go and do these. So things. buses, yes, and uh, they're the life. Also, they're, the bus in seconds flat. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, and of course the graduate. Yes, the graduate the at, the end, at the end, where where uh, where he he uh, he escapes with his with his sweetheart on a bus, doesn't he? Yeah. They take the bus to get away from the from the wedding ceremony, and With that uh, wonderful shot where there's shot they're sitting at the back of the bus and it's and it's shot up the aisle and the whole of the, the all the bus passengers have turned around to look at them. It's extraordinary, yes. absolutely. Mid- Midnight Cowboys starts on a bus, yeah, ends on a bus, starts yeah, yeah, with yeah. with Joe Buck or whatever he's called getting on the bus, yeah, jacket jacket in the job at the diner and getting on the on the Greyhound bus. To go to New York and then ends up with him and Ratso Rizzo, you know, yeah, trying, yeah, trying yeah. to trying to stay alive until he goes to Florida. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But McCartney uh, did the same thing, didn't he? And I think in 1972 he had a, he did wings toward Europe in an open-top bus. 
Well, when, w- when wings, I don't know about open top, but oh, when, wing, when wings first toured, when he first toured, which must have been late 71 or early 72. Yeah. And he was just basically, the idea was, I don't want to set up a tour. We're just going to get in a bus and we're going to go to universities. We're going to turn up and say, do you yeah, want us yeah, to play? Yeah. And they did that a few times, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'd be open top, surely not. No, there was that. an open top bus in, 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 in Europe. They had an open top bus, a picture of it. I think oh, well. so, with little mattresses and things on the, on the, on the, on the top of it. Pretty sure. So, so buses in pop music in the 60s were then transformational. Ladies and gentlemen, discuss. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. I want to address this to Mark Stevens, Mark. Mark Stevens is is one of our valued Patreon supporters who got in touch uh, via the the Patreon um, page and says, after two years of listening to The Boys, that's you and me, Mark. Oh, The Boys. I'm rather flattered by that. (laughs) And loving every chat. Surely, I'd have loved every chat. We do talk an awful lot. A lot of rubbish. And bollocks. Yeah, yeah, go on. I finally, he's reached a breaking point, Mark. I right. finally have to disagree on a point. Go on. He says, West Wing is amazing and I've watched it over and over. Now, that, uh, all we that, said was you wouldn't want to watch it more than once. All, all right? I said was you probably wouldn't want to watch it more yeah. than once. And because I've never watched it more than once. You're in the you're at the moment in the process. Yeah, and we're watching it for the first time. time. Yeah, you, yeah. May, but you may go back... And uh, I just wanted to say, it really doesn't matter what I think. It really doesn't matter what either of us think at all. It's just an opinion. It's no, just... it doesn't. But it's so funny how, again, it's social media, isn't it? Social media is about really about surrounding yourself with a load of people who's who you're going to agree with and which shores up your own personal beliefs. And the moment somebody steps out of line and says something you don't agree with, you get really upset. You well, exactly. I, I sort of don't. I don't for years. You know, I've worked, I've worked with loads of people that I don't agree with at all. And it doesn't cost me any moments. No, but you're different. I'm talking about the major users of Twitter are often very like this, aren't they? They really? can't, can, can't deal with somebody who has an opposing viewpoint. Well, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that's the case with Mark at all, but I think it's an interesting facet of modern life. Yes, it <laughs> is. The, the people kind of look for dividing lines, really, you know. And the, the only thought I've ever had, you know, and I suppose this is working in magazines, you know, where you're trying to orchestrate loads of opinions, aren't you? You yeah. want a symphony full of opinions. Form for debate. So you, don't want, you don't want the same opinions no, at you all. Don't. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's you the know? whole point of columnists. What you want is interesting opinions, provocative yeah. opinions, you know, different opinions. That's absolutely fine. You know, the same thing is kind of neither here nor there. But anyway, uh, nice to hear from you, Mark. And, uh, and don't be disturbed if I say if I said something this week that it, that causes you you know to tear your hair out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter. Ju- Take no just, notice. It's just me moving the air just around. Two old blokes just <laughs> waffling <laughs> on, chuntering. Um, Somebody so else said a thing about about uh, when we who was that who who when did we start talking about old records as though they were like old books? Well, I'm going to have to try and find. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say this myself, but somebody else did and i can't find the original um thing off the top of my head uh oh don't worry but basically somebody said they wanted to know when people started talking about old records as though they were old books and started talking about first pressings and imprints you know, which is a very book publishing term, isn't it? You know, the, yeah, it is. the record label is an imprint. And I think it's an interesting point. So when did people start doing this? Because I think it's quite recently that they do started. Do anything to do with discogs? I think it probably is. I think it's to do with the value because people stopped kind of looking at records as just, this is an interesting record, you ought to listen to it. I started talking about it, this is a really valuable record and you should buy it. And so the idea that it's a first pressing to own a first pressing has a certain cachet, doesn't it? And also the indication that you might have been a very early adopter 
of this group, I suppose. But I don't but think, I think it is. I don't think it is that. But I, I think you're right about Discogs. I'm sure you're right about Discogs. Yeah. Because there are people who spend their lives on Discogs. And I can well imagine it. You know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic site, really. It's only relatively recently I've looked at it and thought, my God, there's, there's some information in here. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, but if people are saying, you know, I, I've, I've got a kind of first pressing of The Hangman's Beautiful Daughter, and um, I don't think they're necessarily indicating that they've that they've had it since 1967 or whatever it was that came out. They 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 just it's like finding a a kind of a, an antique, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, like first edition for PG Woodhouse or something. You know, oh, yeah, finding a exactly. lovely an Adam chair or something yeah, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. that is broken or isn't scratched or anything yeah. like that. Because if you've got I speak as somebody who, over in the corner of that room, have a lot of records, many of which could reasonably be described as first pressings, okay? And I tell you, most of them, you wouldn't want to listen to them because of the condition that No, that's in. the other thing, is that first pressings don't sound very good often. Well, if, you, so, if they've been played for 40, 50 years, yeah, they, they probably do. won't. Yeah. You know, it's... It, 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 what people want is a first pressing that's somehow pristine at the same time, yeah. you know. Unplayed. But it's yeah. also that imprint is another, you know, so they start talking about blue note or stacks as an imprint, not a label, you know. And I suppose it just indicates that collecting records is the new collecting books, isn't it? It's just it is. except it's bigger. It's more it's more widespread. There's more people fancying having having a go at it, you know. Yeah, come and look at my library. Yes. Jesus, that, isn't it? And, of course, this time of year we had the traditional silly season, Christmas silly season reprise of the of the old story of vinyls making a comeback. I know, with Taylor Swift, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Taylor Swift sold more on vinyl she has on CD. Well, I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> well, except my, my piece of advice to anybody looking at these stories, I'm sure we've all looked at them, you've got to watch for the bit in the story where the journalist makes a switch. They go from talking about numbers of CDs sold to the amount of money in LPs sold. They never compare oranges with oranges because that simply will not work in their case at all. They basically say, in the past there were, you know, 50 million CDs sold. Now you get 50 million quid's worth of of LPs. Yeah. Well, the difference is LPs are twenty-five pounds each. That's, that's how it works. It so it's, it's like you could probably it struck me the other day. You could probably do something quite similar with the newspaper trade. Because how much is a copy of the Guardian if you bought it nowadays? Oh, it's really expensive. Two three quid, pounds, three quid on Saturdays. I can't remember. It's a lot. What it, okay, so if you added up you know, the circulation income for newspapers, you probably find that it's more that it was in the days when newspapers sold thousands and thousands of copies because they're charging more money for them, you know. Yeah. But anyway, the the kind of news media never get tired of it, do they? The old vinyls coming vinyls, back. And, I know, because everyone has a romantic attachment to the idea of it. And, uh, well, let me ask you a question. When did you last go in a home, Mark, apart from mine, where they had a working record player? Well, I do know a couple of people. They don't use them very often, but they're there and they're very prominently displayed. But uh, no, I mean, the sad thing now is that you don't get to see people's record collections because the people who do collect lots of records don't have them in the living room, obviously, because there's just too many of them. So you don't normally used to be able to go into the living room to just browse through and yeah, you did. what people have, which I used to absolutely love, you know. But, do you ever uh, used to do that thing where you used to take out records and you and a massive, you know, the late sixties, early seventies, a massive record collection was a hundred. Oh, a hundred, yeah. That was massive. It was mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. And yet you'd go along the spines and you go, "Oh, crikey, the Flying Burrito Brothers or whatever." You'd only heard about these things. I know, you? I know. And you'd pull them out and you put them down. You put them in front. And you'd make a little sub pile of about six, and you'd be hoping against hope. That the owner would say, "Do you want to borrow those?" Yeah, yeah. Those well, you want to put one on. Yeah. Oh well, oh, do you want to borrow them? Is what you really want? Yes, to do. Yeah. You didn't just want to listen to them once. You wanted to listen to them a few times, didn't you? 
and uh, it did happen occasionally. But yeah, I can remember how enthralled I used to be when you go to the house of somebody and uh, and you you notice that there were fifty LPs in the corner, and uh, you know the likelihood is that they would have amongst them something you'd never actually seen at all. You know? It's quite often you'd have kind of quite standard gear, but a huge record collection. Or very, very, very expensive uh, record uh, uh, record playing equipment, and only about four albums. You know what I mean? There were just people who just loved the idea of high fidelity. But yeah, yeah, not particularly record collectors. Well, I think now, I mean, if you take all those people who bought those Taylor Swift records, and I'm sure there are a lot of people have done. How many of those people have got record player? Oh, right. So they just bought them just to stick them up on a shelf. I guess they probably have. Must be. Yeah. The Word Podcast. What's wrong with being sexy? Any other business, we're joined by young Alex Gold, who's got something to add to the previous conversation. Yes, Alex? I do. I was, I was listening in, on obviously, because that's what I'm here producer. Let's hope you are. It's all the, all the chat about um, uh, keeping records on, for display. And I've got a bunch of vinyl that I've acquired over the years and never, ever played because I have nothing to play vinyl on, including... So in um, 2012, I think, I went to Sweden to a friend of mine has a club night there. And it's it's Europe's, I think, longest running northern soul night. It was going for 20 years previously. It's a Swedish guy called Fred. He's a mod um, to the extent that when he introduces himself to people, he'll go, no, no, Swedish no, mod called no, Fred. No, I love it. He'll introduce himself to people and go, hello, I'm Fred. I'm a mod. That's, that's how he introduces <laughs> himself. <laughs> But Fred is also the CEO of uh, Cosmos Music Group, which is, I suppose, uh, Scandinavia's beggars group. So they're technically right, independent, okay. but they're yeah. major size. So, And they used to do all Oasis stuff over there. And I went to visit their office as well. Um, and he gave me this, which Ooh. is a wow. box set of Oasis' it's... final album, Dig Out Your Soul. Um, as you can see, it's a hefty old number. Wow. I've That's never... a box set of just that one album. Yep, I've never. So is that it. all never, outtakes and? I've got no idea, Mark, because I've never opened it. I've had okay, it for 10 okay, years. okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are. Why do you open it live? No, on no, the I don't think we've asked him to do that. No, no I, I, okay. To open it, well, I'll that, open it. Before you open it, you know, we can all just share in the joy. Of an unopened record. Yeah, I just like to look there at it. No, I like okay. to look at it. I like to look do at it. Do you ever, Alex, and if you've never done it, I'm going to get you to do it now. Mm-hmm. Do you ever rub it against your cheek? I don't <laughs> Do it now. Do it now. Oh, it's funny. It's soothing. Isn't that lovely? I, I feel like everything's going to be all right, Dave. That's really I love the feeling of shrink wrap in the morning. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing like it. For yeah. an old record shop head, nothing like shrink wrap, nothing you, at all. Do you want That's to lovely. It? You're going to open it? I'm going to open it. I, listen, I've had this for te- a whole full decade this year. <gasps> well, won't it devalue it? I'm feeling bad I suggested that now. Uh, it's dig out your soul. I don't think there's much value in it. Oh, anyway. Alex, oh, okay. Alex, can I just... And, you know, nobody Probably is more is. disrespectful of Oasis than I am. But anything in a shrink wrap is worth... Ten times more. I would don't own it. Thing. Magic really? don't own it. Seriously. Oh, definitely. Fact. Yeah. No, you'd okay. be crazy. Okay. No, I'm don't worry. Sorry, it. viewers. Don't Sorry, listeners. <laughs> but we're going to assume there's a big fat book in there, a lot of outtakes, and uh, some bits pictures. of memorabilia. Yeah. God. Wow. So there we are. So, uh, you're not going to put that on Amazon, uh, on uh, on eBay. Um, no, I just, I just like to have it around. I just like to look at it. I like to just know it's it's like having the extra pack of biscuits in the cupboard. You don't necessarily need to use them, but it's nice to know. You want to know they're there. Extra pack of biscuits. Very good. Do we have any new Patreon supporters that we ought to be welcoming to the massive, Alex? We do. We have a triumvirate today. A triumvirate. Very good. We're always pleased to welcome new uh, people to the the magic circle. They are uh, Michael McAleer. Michael McAleer, excellent. Very good to have you here, Michael. Very nice to have him on board. Superb. Yeah. yeah. Next. Mysterious monosyllabic Maz. 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 Just Maz. Just Maz. Just Maz. Okay. And fine. Finally, is that a Martin, do you think, Maz? Oh, gosh. Could be, could be. Mabel? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Marie? Who knows? Who Marie? Knows? 
Um, and also Ali Douglas, who is an annual patron. And of course, when you subscribe annually, you get 15% off. So uh, Right. Very nice. Hello. Well, welcome all of them. And if anybody else would like to join, we'd welcome you no less. What are the many benefits of being a Patreon supporter, Alex? Just recap those ones one more time for us. Well, uh, so there are various tiers of membership according to your situation or what what, what you fancy. Um, so there's the the quiz um, tier membership, uh, which, which is every Friday at six o'clock, folks, and yes. very very entertaining. And there's a prize once a month as well. We do it on Zoom, and it's every week in, every week out, without fail. Uh, and actually, I should just point this out. I don't know if I pointed this out, but are you, you, know, you don't have to take part. You can just come and watch. Yeah, absolutely. In, absolutely. You know, so don't worry about being exposed to a level of competition that you can't live with or whatever. You can come along and just, you it's, know... Look. It's a safe place. It's a safe yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. It's a safe space. Yes. <laughs> and Go also, on. you you get um, uh, a mention on our Word in Your Ear Patreon Hall of Fame on our website as well. So you'll get your name nothing wrong tattooed on there. Um, and then there is the podcast tier membership uh, where you get the weekly Word podcast, i.e., what we're doing right now, uh, early um, and also ad free um, if that tickles your pickle. Um, above that is. Um, it's, tickles your pickle. <laughs> it's. it's the video cast membership where you get uh, all of our video content so word in your attic word in your ear all that kind of stuff you get it early as well um and then right at the top of the tree there is the clubhouse now the clubhouse is a very special membership tier because you get your very own personal birthday present from mark you get to me. live at mark allen's house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i'll do a house swap with you Willingly. <laughs> so Mark and Dave will come and digitally come around to your house on your birthday and accept And you can show off your record collection. You dig out your, uh, yep. your uh, rarities. The records you, that mean the most. You get um, the audio word in your attic. So that's on a, on a patron-only podcast feed. And you will also get an invite to our biannual word in your ear get-togethers. So, you know, all, all What's good reasons. What's wrong re- with that? All good reasons. And the final and most clinching good reason is you'll be helping us doing what is, I'm sure you'll agree, important work. (laughs) The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. Well, it's a birthday top-up special with our uh, very valued uh, patron, Sandra Austin. Sandra, wearing a a fantastic, what appears to be an Abba hat. Oh, it's gone now. Put it it back on. Put it back back on. on. Back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's superb. Abba scarf, Abba scarf as well. So, do you, do you buy those at Abba gigs? How do you, you do? Yeah, that's it's official merch from Voyage from the Abba Voyage thing. So, so the, the knitwear is a big thing with the Abba merch, is it? That's quite <laughs> quite telling, it is. That, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's very Scandinavian. Very scandy, very indicative of their demographic as well. <laughs> Where you know, a nice warm woolly scarf comes in very this happy. Is, this is it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's because so you've been converted. You were saying one of the things you want to talk about was that you, your conversion to ABBA when you, you were rather begrudgingly because you didn't really like them when you were younger, which I felt exactly the same way. But go on, tell us about that. <laughs> well, I suppose it's growing up, um, my brother, my younger brother was absolutely fanatical about ABBA. And so we were subjected to ABBA day and night uh, on the record player from various parts of the house, never stopped. So almost as a point of principle, I took a dislike to them, um, as you do. Uh, And and it's only really now as I've got older and... um, and I haven't had to listen to them all the time. I've come to appreciate that they're quite good tunes you know the songs are good <laughs> the lyrics are relatively meaningful um i went to voyage for my birthday which is why i'm wearing the hat um and i really enjoyed it i so i've i've grudgingly come to admire them against all of my principles and, and the scary thing is i suppose i noticed as i was as an adult and you'd hear an abba song on the radio i knew all the words i know all the words to all the songs because i've been brainwashed my whole life with with this this younger brother who has driven me crazy, um, but now I quite like that I know the words and I I like that I recognise the songs and I thought that their new album is actually really very good. 
for what they do, you know, for, for what they do. They're great. And, I, and how is the show? Is it convincing? Everybody who's been to it that we know it says it's absolutely fantastic. It is. It is. I'm surprised that neither of you have been, have you? We no, will eventually. I, I, I keep well, thinking I, I about it. I fancy it. I must admit, I do yeah. fancy it. I mean, I, I love them too. I mean, I didn't really like them when I was a kid because you just didn't. I didn't appreciate them. They weren't and, uh, cool. I really do now. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. certainly weren't cool. My problem, my thing about ABBA is I always, I've always approved of ABBA. I really have. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't engage with ABBA. You know what I mean? I, I I couldn't tell you a song of theirs that means a lot to me or anything like that. But I was not moving. Oh, they're re- well, except that I think it's in. I, I I'd like to say, I'd like to just put in one point here, as I think, as pop music gets older, it acquires a quality of poignancy. Oh yeah, it does. They didn't have before. And seeing the four of them together, I find that moving. Seeing pictures of the four of them, I, I find think that it's amazing. extraordinary. Yeah. It's- now is, they're all still here they all still look terrific yeah and and i have to say i i, I disagree with you a little bit dave in, in that there are some there are a couple of abba songs that are really i think very moving there's one that bjorn wrote about watching his daughter grow up or just watching her leave for school one morning and it really hitting him how quickly they grow up and how quickly they'll be gone and even no, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I'm sure that's true. All I'm saying is I, I don't really engage with them. I never have done. I probably will at some point, but I never have done. I've just always gone, that's ABBA. ABBA are a really good thing and uh, and, and all that, but I just don't engage with them because you can't engage with all music. Um, yeah, true, true. But I, I'm sure you're absolutely right uh, about that. And that, that the new one that they brought out, that, that they launched the album with, which is it's just all about, it seems to be all about the fact that they're still here and have survived and yeah, yeah. have faith in each. I think I still have faith in you, I think is the name of it. Oh, it's that, oh I, I blow. Oh, fair that. enough. <laughs> oh, well, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> exactly. is, there any, is there anybody else that you can feel yourself um, thawing um, as regarding? I, I, that's a good one, actually. Uh, there's no one that I've been forced to be exposed to this to the same extent, I suppose. I would never have been a a particularly, um, I, yeah, Dylan is not somebody that I ever really, <laughs> sorry. But that I have, unlike you, Dave, David, with, with Dylan, I admire what he's done and I've never really, Engaged for no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fair enough, you know, because people always, I, I get these things saying people say, "Well, what should I be listening to?" And I always say the same thing: you should listen to exactly what you feel like. Yeah. It's not homework, yeah. <laughs> and, and particularly music. I think of all the arts, actually, music is the one where it does least good to pursue an interest if you don't feel it. You know what I mean? You can't make yourself well, like. You can't make yourself like stuff because you've got to be emotionally ready for music. That's the thing that matters. More you than- may never like it, or you may, at some stage of your life, coincide with it, and it suddenly works. You know. Yeah, yeah, but it could. I mean, there there does seem to be. I put it to the duty to the jury. <laughs> I put it to the jury that there are probably more people in the world nowadays taking ABBA seriously in inverted commas than there have ever been in the past. Even when they were at their massive 70s peak, mm-hmm. people didn't kind of study them to the extent that they do now, which must be very satisfying if you're a member of ABBA. The, uh, you yeah, know, after the, all those reviews. You went, went through a period in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. It's quite interesting. I was looking into this the other day. Not an awful lot happened with ABBA in the 80s, did it? They just kind of they went away. I was talking to Jonathan Morrishmark about that party you you and I went to that, yeah. that ABBA reception where they turned up, and uh, and then they broke up pretty much after that. They did. Uh, was it the day before you came, which was not a huge hit? And I think they subsequently said, had it been a bigger hit, we might have stayed together. Wow. Anyway, they went off. The 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 uh, Agnetha and um, Frida went and made those solo records and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Bjorn and Benny did their chess thing. Mm-hmm. And then and that was your 80s, really. Not an awful lot happened in the 80s with the ABBA. No compilations, nothing like that. It only started happening in the 90s with um, Bjorn again. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mamma Mia, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. yeah. Mamma Mia was suddenly just, everyone thought, actually, we love this stuff. Well, also, there was, I mean, all those kind of, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Ex- yes. That, that, that whole quiet fan base that seemed to come out of the world. It was a gay thing yeah. that kind of brought them back, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, absolutely. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, produced by an old friend of ours, Mark, Al Clark. Oh, yeah, they had a this? press of Virgin. Virgin went Records. to Australia and produced Priscilla Quinn of the Desert. Very good. Uh, an um, amazing film, but but made even better by ABBA. And and actually, what was the other one? Muriel's Wedding, another Australian. See, this Australian. is it. Yes. yes. Australians did a load of this stuff. Because yeah. they also did, and I don't know if ABBA are on this soundtrack, they did a ballroom dancing movie, which was very big, was it? What Strictly the hell? Ballroom. Strictly Ballroom. And I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah they were... They must have been. And that was all Jean Paul Young and Love is in the Air and all that kind of light pop music was kind of brought back in an Australian context, sun shining, you know, (laughs) and was suddenly kind of re embraced by people. And we were allowed, I think it made it safe to like ABBA again then, or you didn't have to be cool. It didn't have to be cool anymore. But they were probably the first case of this, what I think is now a phenomenon, which is I think you're bigger. 40 years later. <laughs> well, you know, it's the same for everybody, isn't it? All those groups that split up, you know, when they were playing Wembley Arena, if they came back now, they'd be playing a succession of Wembley stadiums because all the people who love them then still love them. And they just acquired a whole generation just, of people. It just adds people. Absolutely. In. So, go on. Having been, to see, having been to see the show, um, will you be going again? <laughs> Well, I have a confession to make. I've actually seen it twice now. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> because my brother insisted that we go just the week it came out, actually. We, we went the week it came out. So that's, what, six or seven months ago. And then we liked it so much. And I have to say, I really, I, A, I'm impressed by it. Like, just separate from anything else, the technology is amazing. Yeah, yeah it is apparently it's astonishing. You should go just to see. Yeah. The yeah. And even just the light show, not even... You know the the avatars or whatever, but the light—it's just really well put together. Um, it's a great. They've obviously thought about the set list, so it's not just greatest hits. It's not like Mamma Mia Live. It's uh, they've put in random obscure things that the fans are really going to love. So you, yeah, it's, it's for the fans rather than you know just the general public. But it hangs really to get well together. As what a kind set. of random obscure things? You mean tiny little kind of in jokes or there's songs that that would never have made it off albums so this yeah. like the second song in is a song called holding your soul which i don't think was ever anything but a, a middle of the album track but it's a yeah, good rocker yeah. or yeah, there's yeah. a song called um uh when all is said and done which they wrote as they were breaking up and it's about yeah we were talking about yeah um and so so lots of they've included lots of those so it's not just and they've left out lots of Big ones like Take a Chance on Me. Oh, really? And Super Trooper. And there's no point shouting for an encore, is there? No uh, no point holding up a banner. I'm going to say, all right, we'll do one more. (laughs) Just for you, darling. That's not going to happen. But it's funny. You like, we all know that they're avatars and it's fake. But there's a bit at the end, and I don't want to give too much away, but there's a bit at the end where you see them as they are now uh, rather than as the avatars. And people burst into tears because they oh. think they're really there. It's like, they're here. They're oh, here. Oh, no. Like, no, they're not. Like, it's a random Saturday afternoon. I don't think they're going to be here. Oh, but, but it's it's so convincing that that you would. That, so it's, yeah, it's a great show. And it's 90 minutes, you know, spot on. Guaranteed. Perfect. Guaranteed. <laughs> you know, wall like to wall. Proper concert. Yeah, yeah. All in favor of that. And you can leave. <laughs> and Brilliant. They, yeah, that's it's, so good. It's, I'd re- I highly recommend it. No, I'm sure we will get round to it. We'll, we'll get, it's not going anywhere. No, it? I don't think it's, it's here the, forever. Although <laughs> apparently they've only got the lease for four years, and oh, then really? they have to move it. So well, they, can, they can move. It I thought they owned the building. Well, the building is flat pack. It's Scandinavian. Yeah. Oh, no. They, they could move, it. They could move it to Birmingham or they take it Redditch. to Dublin. You know, I think yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they'll do. I think they'll fold it up. They'll bring it to New York. They'll bring it yeah, to... They will. They'll bring it to all over the world. Yeah. And, yeah. And, oh, well. and, and fleece us all. But it's it's 
it doesn't feel like you're being fleeced. It feels like being good, good value. I don't, well, I, I, from sure what I gather, I don't think they're making a fortune out of it. Yeah, they cost so much, doesn't it? It's years to pay back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, probably. And they're being quite, I know I, I know I succumbed to the merch and all, but they're actually very, it's all very low key, the merchandising. There's very little sponsorship. They haven't sold out to things. It's actually quite, it's quite nice, really nicely done. Very good. Fantastic. Lovely to talk to you. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.